We would like to welcome you to Getting in the Word with Pastor Stuart Guthrie. Pastor Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, and he will be teaching through a series on Titus. We hope that you will join us as we begin Getting in the Word. Here's Pastor Stuart. I've entitled this message again, Fulfilling Your God-Given Role as Part 2. Not anything super crafty there. But last week, we, we wanted to kind of cut this passage in half. My intention was to preach verses 3 to 5 all in one segment, but I decided that I thought it would be good to stop and to pick up again today at the second portion of where we've ended. We've been walking through the area of membership within the local body of Christ. And last week, we looked at the expectation of older women within the local body of Christ that they were to ultimately encourage the younger women. Today, we're going to look specifically at how the older women are to encourage the younger women. We've addressed how a healthy church is ultimately dependent upon its leadership, its membership, and ultimately its partnership in the gospel. Every person, listen, has a part to play. All persons in the church are to live out these Christ-like characteristics that we have looked at, both men and women. But here Paul wants to instruct Titus specifically in how the older women are to encourage the younger women. So really it's a two-part section, but nevertheless, we need to first begin by understanding verses 3 to 5b, the second part. So let's begin reading together. Here in Titus 2, 3 to 5, we read, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, or enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. We began addressing these matters last week when we clarified two main points. The first main point was the expectation of older women in their characteristics, in their character. And again, this is an expectation ultimately for all Christians. Nevertheless, contextually speaking, Paul is instructing Titus in how he should be ministering to the older women so that they can infect and be ministering to the younger women, which will in return impact future generations to come. So not only do we see the expectations of older women in their character, but secondly, we're going to look at today expectation of older women in their calling. And really, it's a twofold purpose. It's calling the older women to minister to the younger women, but by way of reality, the younger women then are going to be informed of how they should behave. So it's insight for you young women. So when we come to verse 4, we've examined their responsibility. And that responsibility was to teach, to train, equip the younger women. And to model godliness. To be a good example. And so here he gives us these kinds of qualities so that, verse 4, they may encourage the younger women. The first area of encouragement that the older women are to encourage the younger women in is by their love. And specifically, the older women are to encourage the younger women as a, to love their husbands and to love their children. I love the order here because I think it's important. 
because we have kind of flipped some of these things in our culture. And a lot of times, husbands and wives in their marriage lose sight of what's important. And Paul wants to make sure that Titus emphasizes the right order that the young women are to love first their husbands and then their children. Because I think in order to love God, that is the order by which we, be, we should be obedient to. Doesn't mean our children are, are any less important, but specifically, we are to love first the husband and then the children. Because in loving the children, by way of example, you are loving your husband. And you could flip that around and say the same for the husbands. You are to love your wife first, and then your children. So let's begin with a legitimate question. What does it mean first to love your husband? Well, let me make a first observation here, which I think is vitally important. And that is, it's this love that Paul commands Titus to command to the older women, to encourage the younger women, is not based on your husband's worthiness. Men don't deserve it. Let's just settle that right now. As a matter of fact, we don't deserve anything. What we deserve is the pure flaming wrath and justice of Almighty God. Just like you women. We're all in the same boat. But nevertheless, this is a love that is not based on the husband's worthiness. Yet you older women are to encourage the younger women and to be encouraged to love your husband. Because God commands you to. The first two callings deal with wives, young mothers. The older, the wiser, the faithful, the obedient women will be the example to follow. So not only is it a call to encourage the younger and the younger to look forward to something, but it is also for the younger, younger to understand what it should look like later down the road when they grow up. It it just filters right on down to the bottom, doesn't it? We set examples. For our young children to follow. God commands that you love your husbands. And more specifically, He commands the older women to encourage them to do so. Listen, it will be extremely hard for the older women to encourage the younger women to love their husbands if they are not loving their husbands. It's a whole lot easier to tell someone to do something that you are doing. Because we are living in a day when we we are people who see and respond to what we see. So here's the beauty of this. When you are obedient to not only your call, which is for the older women to encourage the younger women to love their husbands, but also in the obedience of the younger following through with what's been encouraged by the older, you honor God because you are honoring God through your obedience to the Lord and to His Word. This is far above you and me. This is about serving God. This is about being obedient to the One who created every single human being, both male and female. He understands their makeup. He understands their emotion. He understands how they function and how they should function and how they should not function for the betterment of the family and ultimately for a healthy church. Because remember, this whole thing is the anatomy of a healthy church. If we want to be a healthy church, then it's time for the older women to step up and encourage the women first to love their husbands. Because when your husband seems unlovable, 
when your husband doesn't seem to acknowledge or care the way you feel, when your husband seems ungrateful for anything you've done all week long, God still calls you to love your husband. You can't change his heart, but you can obey the Lord. You can serve God by the way you love your husband. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Starting in verse 4 there. Love is patient. Love is kind. We read these in weddings, don't we? We stand up here with our spouses and we pronounce to the people in the congregation and to God Almighty our covenant relationship. And we repeat these words many times. So, so be, think back on to the day you stood and you married that woman who you committed to for the rest of your life. And you told her, the, the pastor read, love is patient. There's no confusion there, is there? Love is kind. There, there's, that's not like the Greek transliteration is so hard to understand. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. It is not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love, listen, never fails. Listen, this is a lot of pressure on the wife. Seems so hard. You know, it's easy for me to just stand up here and talk about it. But I'm a man. And I know how hard I can be to love. I'm married. I have a wife. I know everybody thinks I'm perfect. <laughs> but I'm not. But I am always encouraged how my wife loves me even when I am not lovable. And many times when my wife loves me when I am not lovable, it shows me how much she loves the Lord. Because she is willing to sacrifice what she wants to do in the flesh with walking in the Spirit and being obedient to the Lord in that moment. It's a beautiful picture of what Christ has done for you and for me. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do and crucified for you and for me. Let me remind you, gentlemen, for those that weren't at the movie Friday night, that as husbands you were also called to love your wife as Jesus Christ loved the church. And if I'm not mistaken, He died for His bride. He died. He gave up His life for His bride. And we men are called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Self-sacrificially. Just because she is called to love you, even when you are unlovable, you are still called to love your wife. Self-sacrificially. Everybody has a part to play. He sacrificed his place in heaven, became a man and died that we all might have life, and so just as the younger 
Women are called to love their husbands, whether they seem lovable or not. You too ought to. We ought to. Husbands, love our wives as Christ loved the church, even when they are not lovable. It goes both ways. We are equally in this together. And we equally have been called to love one another in a way that honors God. Because love is what love is. And its attributes are what they are. And we cannot change that. So when we are doing those very things that are not marked by 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4-8, to then we aren't living in love. We are walking in the flesh, not in the Spirit, because the Spirit and the flesh are what they are in opposition to one another. So that we will not carry out the desires of the flesh. There ought to be a lot of loving going on. Everyone has a part to play. Love your enemies. Can I back that up from Scripture? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because what? Love covers a multitude of sins. It's true that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, that there is none righteous, no, not one. There was only one perfect man that walked on this earth, and he was God in flesh. He left the domains of heaven, became a man, lived perfectly because we cannot, to satisfy the just penalty of sin, which is separation from God and death because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so if we need anything, it is a covering of a multitude of sins and it's by love that we do that. We need to obey the Lord. We need to be encouraging love. Younger women, be encouraged to love your husband. The older women should be calling the younger women to love their husband, which assumes you, older women, are loving your husbands as a way of an example for them to follow. Because I don't know, I, I feel like this comes better from a woman than a man. I mean, th this thing has hit me all week. Who am I? But I can tell you, if I just preach the Word, it's not me, it's God speaking through Paul. He is giving Titus the encouragement to encourage the older women so the instruction isn't from me, I'm just the messenger. The Word of God, God is calling you older women to serve the younger women and encourage them to love their husbands. Proverbs 10.12, hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers all transgressions. Proverbs 10, the next slide, please. Next slide, please. Thank you. Next slide, please. Proverbs 17.9, whoever covers an offense promotes love, but he who brings it up separates friends. You know those people who spew their hatred? They, they just want to cause dissension, discouragement. They're nauseating people. They don't want to cover up the sin. They, 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 they want to expose it. And so they dig as far back as they can get, and they forget I've been crucified with Christ and no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And Jesus has cast my sin as far as the east is from the west. Let them dig but love covers a multitude of sin. Love one another will. Love one another will. Love is a good cure for Christ-likeness. Love doesn't mean you get what you want. Rather, love, genuine, true love, is in response in how you respond when you don't get what you want. It's easy to love someone that's lovable, on the contrary, it's much more difficult to love somebody who seems unlovable. But isn't that what Jesus did for us? And while yet we were sinners, Christ died for us? 
We weren't lovable. We crucified him. But you say, well, I didn't crucify him. You would have if you would have been there. Because of our sin, he was crucified. This is to give us a right to live in habitual sin so that love can cover the multitude of sins. But when we follow through with love, it is effective. So Paul wants the older ladies to encourage the younger to love their husbands. Listen, even when it isn't convenient. You're not called to abandon them, but to love them and to honor them as unto the Lord. Because in your loving your husband, you are serving and honoring the Lord. If we're going to be a healthy church and make an eternal impact for generations to come, we must be a people who are obedient to the Word of God. Jesus said in John 14, what? If you love me, you keep my commandments. So we need to be an example to the world to follow by which the outside can look and see that is what it looks like for a family to function properly and a church to be organized and structured where one another is loving each other like crazy. But not only are these older women to encourage these young wives to love their husbands in a way that honors God, they're also called to encourage them to love their children. The reality is this is not optional either. It's commanded by Paul to the older women through Titus to love their husbands and their children. And if we're going to be frankly honest, in 2021, children are an inconvenience. Where did we come up with this? I mean, I'm sure you've heard this statement. I could never stay home with my kids all day long. It'd drive me crazy. How is that loving? They're your kids. If they act like a bunch of crazy bats, then do something. Don't send them to somebody else. We don't want to deal with them. If you can't fix the problem, who else is going to fix the problem? But we're called to love our children. Who would have ever thought that Paul would have had to tell Titus to tell the older women, to tell the younger women to love your children? We have become such a horrible people, a horrible nation that we no longer even love our own children. We treat them as an inconvenience. We make them feel like they were an accident, that they're unwanted. And in reality, this is why there are so many abortions in our day. We don't want to just, let's just kill them. Let's just call it what it is. Let's just murder them. Because they're an inconvenience. I preached a sermon years ago called, Who's Really Endangered? Pets or People? Because we'll spend billions of dollars on saving eagles and yet we kill children every day. It's, 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 a, it's a tragedy. A tragedy. We've sacrificed our children on the altar of temporal success. Material possessions. Because they may be an inconvenience. Well, how convenient is that inconvenience? So we have to make sure our young women are encouraged to love their children at whatever the cost. Because within a few years, they will no longer be in your home. They will be out on their own, living as adults, making decisions for themselves, and they will make an impact. They will no longer be under your roof. And that reality has hit home for me now more than ever. Some of you have experienced it. Your kids are grown up. They're out of your house. Me, mine are getting at that age. 
And I realize that I only have a certain amount of time to invest into them while they're in my house. Doesn't mean I can't invest as they're gone, but while they're in my house, I'm called and my wife is called to love them well. And I think it's such a blessing to have these older faithful women that have walked through life and have learned how to love their husbands even when they don't seem lovable, how to love their children even when they can be a pain in the neck. And much of what they have gone through as an older lady, you have gone through so that you can minister to the needs of those who have never walked that road. I've never had a child leave my home. Don't you think that's going to be hard for my wife and I? Who's going to encourage her? The older who have experienced it and walked that road. Some of you are empty nesters. You're trying to figure out life now. It's quiet. You can actually go to a movie. There are different stages in life. Remember when young moms, the kids would, I mean, you're just trying to go to the bathroom. I'm using the bathroom. What do you want? Leave me alone. There's stages of life. We need to encourage mothers to love their children. The encouragement here is to the young moms and young wives and the future mothers and future wives. So let's be honest. How are we doing? How are we doing encouraging the younger women to love their children, their husbands? So that it's not one-sided, even though Titus seems to be one-sided, but we have all the Scripture to interpret Scripture. How are we doing as fathers and as husbands, loving our wives and loving our children? We all have a part to play. And when we fulfill our roles and obligations, it's a beautiful thing. And maybe you're here today and you're highly discouraged because you have a husband that is terribly hard to love. Matter of fact, he's not even here because he ain't got Jesus and he don't even want to come to church. You telling me, Pastor, I need to love him? Yes, you should love him. Because in your love for him and in the quiet, submissive spirit of your heart, you can win him over to the Lord without saying a word by the deeds that you walk in. You love him. You share the hope of Christ with him when you have an opportunity. And let God do what God does and you do what you do. That's the beauty of this thing. We don't save people. God saves people. He uses people to tell them and to plant seeds and to water and nourish that seed so that it will sprout in its due time. So men, are you loving your wives, fulfilling your roles and your obligations? Maybe you have children, ladies, who are terribly hard to love. Maybe they're rude and disrespectful. Still, we're called to love them. I want you to understand by doing these things which God has called you, listen, you will honor the Lord in your life and with your actions. Serving your husband is, listen, much more about serving Christ than it is Him. The love you have for your husbands, the love you have for your children should be an overflow of obedience for your love of Almighty God. And His Word. So not only does Paul encourage the older women to encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, but he also calls them to cultivate again a Christ-like characteristic. He says in verse 5, be sensible and pure. Here we see Paul instructs the younger women to be sensible. simply means to have self-control. It should be uh, a, a common characteristic of, of the Christian life. Uh, it's the same qualification that was given to elders in chapter 1, verse 8. It's the same qualifications given to the older men in chapter 2, verse 2. And it's the same qualification that's given to all Christian men in chapter 2, verse 12, ultimately. Why? Because self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. It should be the mark of a believer. 
At least you ought to be growing in becoming more self-controlled. And that's a process. It's not like, I'm self-controlled. There's a process by which God begins to grow us and mold us and we become more and more self-controlled as we walk through these days. should be a common characteristic. Self-controlled is an essential aspect of the Christian life. To not be self-controlled and thus uncontrolled Paul wants to make sure that Titus not only reaches the elders with this level of qualification, not only the older men, not only the older women, but also even the younger women are to be self-controlled. But not only are they to be self-controlled or sensible, Paul says they are to be encouraged to be pure. This gives the idea of moral purity. It, it, It could refer to modesty. How a woman dresses, how she presents herself. Yes, she presented herself in a way that, has she presented herself in a way that caused a man to lust with his eyes intentionally? It's a hard issue. And here in the context, I believe it's referring to a sexual purity in her marriage. That these women would be faithful women to their husbands. There's never been a day in which I think we live that grants women the opportunity to be impure. Because impurity is now the norm. It's no longer purity is the norm. Impurity is what all your children see as they go out in the highways and byways. It is what you see when you turn on the television. It is what you see when you walk around in these shopping malls. Impurity has become the new norm. A matter of fact, my children can't even buy clothes that fit them. Because it doesn't sell. Why? Because it's not the norm. It's sick and perverted, isn't it? That we've become a place and a people that have become so sensitive to impure lifestyles. But here... The older are called to encourage the women to be pure, which pre-assumed you are pure. With all that we have in social media opportunities to post impure photos of yourselves or draw attention on Facebook and Telegram or whatever it is, TikTok, hip-hop, this, that, whatever it is. (laughs) The reality is it's, it's... It is full of perversion. You know, I try to stay connected on social media as much as I can. But I I had to get up off Instagram. Because it's the devil's playground. You believe me or not, you can say what you want. But it's full of impurity. Why? Because it's become the new norm. It gets the most likes. Who cares? You have a thousand people who like it? Who cares? In light of eternity, who cares? It makes you feel good that a bunch of people you don't even know likes what you share? Who cares? They don't know you. They just like looking at your body. They're perverted. There's never been an opportunity like today than to be impure. So for the sake of the younger women, the older women ought to be pure so they can encourage the younger women to be pure. And maybe it can become cool. (laughs) You know what they say, modest is hottest. Listen, most women are not at home serving their families. They're in the working environment and they're in an opportunity on a daily basis to be faced with the temptations of developing feelings for other workers. They're put in situations where they're meeting alone with the opposite sex. There's never been a greater time for an opportunity to no longer be pure. You find passages of Scripture that talk about modesty in 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. 
You see it in 1 Peter 3, 3 to 6, when it says, adorn yourselves. Your adornment must be not merely external, the braiding of hair, the wearing of jewelry, putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable qualities of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in sight of God. For in this way, in the former time, the holy women also, who hoped in God, who, who used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husband, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right without being fearful or frightened in anything. This, is, this purity deals with a pure heart that results ultimately in an external expectation. With everything in this world trying to persuade women to wear less, to dress less, to be more provocative than ever before, it's becoming more and more normal. And it's affecting the younger. It's affecting the men. And let me tell you what, dads. You ought to encourage your sons not to follow after the Ezekiel 23 woman. You may not know what that is, but you'll look it up tonight. She's the harlot. It would seem by the structure of this text that Paul wants to emphasize self-control as one scholar says, coupled with purity, expressing Paul's concern ultimately with marital fidelity. At this point, most people don't have a problem with loving their husband, at least being told to love your husband, kind of why you married him. Most don't have an issue with loving their children that they, God has given them to you. Most don't have an issue with being sensible and pure and maintaining marital integrity. But what about when Paul encourages the older women to encourage the younger women to be workers at home? This is problematic in a contemporary culture. How dare you, Pastor Stewart, tell me that I should be a worker in the home. Do you think that, that that's all women are good for is cooking and cleaning and washing clothes and doing dishes and changing diapers? Don't you think there's more to life than that, Pastor? Again, I'm just a messenger. And if you want my honest answer, no. I think it's the most important thing that you can do in this world. There is nothing that this world can offer you more important than what God calls you to do. And if it's changing diapers, you change them to the glory of God. If it's washing dishes, you wash them to the glory of God. And if it's taking out the trash or whatever it is you do in the home, you do it in honor of Almighty God for it is His call on your life because He knows what's best for a healthy family. So I ask the question, how dare you question God's integrity? Because if I'm not mistaken, He created you. You didn't create Him. Who are we to ask back to God? If God says it's best, then I believe it's best. You see, something's happened in our culture. What would have ever prevented a woman from feeling dissatisfied with being just who God has called her to be. Something outside of the system has set that up. Something outside has persuaded you to believe contrary to what God's Word says. The Gallup poll says this is a record high that now 56% of women prefer to go and work outside of the home than to stay and be a homekeeper. 56%. Why? Why is that? Somebody sold you a bill of lies. You see, it all sounds real good while you're living in that nice house and you got that nice car and you both got jobs. 
But when your kids get older and you've advocated your responsibility to love your husband and love your, your kids, and they are now walking away from the Lord, and you go, oh, what happened? Well, I tell you what happened. You shucked off your kids to somebody else training them the things you don't believe in. And if you would have been obedient to what God has called you, which is best in honoring to the Lord, and you would have served your family for that season, you would have felt a whole lot better if they would have walked away then because you would have had no question that I do everything I could have done. You see, God's about salvation. We are not. Even if you raise your kids in a godly home and you love them and you pour into them and you, you give them everything they need and you love your husbands and you, you love your children and you, you share the gospel with them, homeschool them, do whatever it is you want to do, doesn't mean they're going to be saved. Salvation is a work of God through the preaching of the Word, through the power of the Spirit. But we should do everything we can, everything in our ability to be obedient to the Word of God. I mean, I can understand if there are kids in the home. And honestly, the numbers are actually lower for those that desire to be workers, but not by much. Still, 50% of women with children under the age of 18 desire to work rather than be home with their kids. 50%. There's a problem in this nation. And we have demoralized the roles which God says is best to our ladies. And we've raised a generation. We have to fix this problem. Because I promise you, this whole world we live in is the devil's playground. And if the devil can manipulate the roles of men and women starting in the home, he doesn't have to fight these other battles. They'll fight themselves. What we are facing in this nation is a breakdown of the family, which is ultimately a breakdown in the church, which is ultimately the result of everything that's happening because it's a sin issue. It's a root issue. Much of our culture is normal now, isn't it? And I believe it's normal. If I can be honest with you, I think it's because men have advocated their responsibilities to encourage their women, their children, their wives. And many of them are the, are the cause of women not being in the home because they like the income. And because their lifestyle is too extravagant that they can't stay home and do what they've been called to do by God because we have set that up and established that as the means and we encourage them to go to work rather than raising our kids. At the cost of what? It's, it's time we get passionate about this. Listen, this comes from a loving heart. I'm just a dad trying to live a life married to a wonderful woman with seven children. The odds are against me. But I'm going to do everything I can to set my wife up for success in a home that says, Honey, I don't care what kind of car we drive. I don't care what kind of house we live in. I'm going to set this thing up so you can stay home and raise our children and let God do what God does and we do what we do for the glory and the honor of God. It's time we start getting passionate about what God is passionate about and it's raising kids, raising godly homes so that we can be a healthy, effective family which will affect the church. And there's too many crazies out there in the pulpit this morning with smoke screens and laser shows and great little music that makes people feel good and they're tickling ears while the world is going to hell in the handbasket. And it's time we stand up and we get back to the basics. This was God's design in creation. Pre-fall. God established these things, and it was good. Now, don't get me wrong. doesn't mean you can't do work outside the home. Proverbs 31 woman did things. 
But your priority ought to be your home. As a wife, ought to be your children. They are number one. So I ask you this morning, consider your priorities. Proverbs 4.12 says, Listen, my son, to the Father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning so you do not forsake my teaching. And tell my son, son, when you grow up and you marry a woman, you, you do everything in your ability to give her the opportunity to raise those kids in your home, to raise a family, to invest in those children. Don't go set yourself up for failure by getting a house too big, a car too nice. Proverbs 1, 7 and 9, Fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Stubborn fools despise wisdom. My son, listen to your father's discipline and do not neglect your mother's teaching. Because discipline and teaching are a grace garland, graceful garland on your head and a golden chain around your neck. Proverbs 22, 6, Start children off in the way they should go and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. There's hope, guys. For children who have walked away, you've done everything you can. We trust in God to deliver them, to bring them back to those sound doctrines you taught them as young children. Whatever ends up with their lives, listen, God works for good. You've done all you can do, praise God. Leave the rest up to Almighty God. Deuteronomy 6, 5 and 9, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Always remember these commands I give to you. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit down in your home, when you walk along the roadside, when you lay down, when you get up, write them down. Tie them into your hands as signs. Tie them onto your foreheads to remind you. Write them on your doorpost and your gate. Be men who are investing into your children the Word of God. And the Word of God is sufficient. It's best and it's good. So obey it. Do what it says and leave the rest up to God. And he reminds us again in Deuteronomy eleven nineteen. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you sit down at home. When you walk around the road. When you lie down and when you get up. I'm always so privileged to wake up in the morning and watch my wife sitting on the back porch reading the Bible. Studying the Scriptures. And then out comes this little fella. To watch her pour into these kids with the Word of God. Because I'm not there most of the time. The result of my kids spiritually, 95% come from my wife. Why? Because... She's home. And she's investing in them daily with the Word of God. And then when we go out in the boat and we go fishing, they're in my world now. Look at God's creation, son. You see, I believe that you will truly see the blessings that God has in store for you women who defy the secular stereotypes and focus on their God-given calling related to the family and the home. The home and the family needs to become a priority again in this nation. And listen, you don't have to desire in your heart to be home and to serve your husband and to love your children, to be workers in the home. Then pray. You know, I talked to my wife about this text. We discussed this. And I said, how can I encourage the women who really don't have the desire? And she said, honey, I didn't have the desire. But I prayed. I prayed and I prayed and God gave me the desire. And now I'm so grateful every day that I get to serve you and I get to serve my children in that capacity. God is a God of prayer. And the prayers of a righteous man and a righteous woman, listen, accomplishes much. Prayer is not a joke. It's the way we communicate with Almighty God, our Father. And He is a Father who is willing and ready to establish in us a, a righteous family.
so that he can be exalted and he can be glorified. So ask God to give you those desires. Because he loves them, your husband, your wives, men, more than you do. He died for them. Pray he gives you the desires. Believe that his word is true and best and most effective because we all know that this is not an easy task. It is not an easy task. It would be much easier for the ladies to go get a job and not to raise their children in the home. She, my wife doesn't get paid. I mean, she works like 24 hours a day. She doesn't get paid. She, she, she deals with, with children all day long. So when we have an opportunity, we do things to, together and we give her some adult time. The older women, listen, are here to help train. They're here to teach, which assumes there's a responsibility and an opportunity. And old doesn't, older, excuse me, doesn't mean in necessarily in age, spiritually speaking, to train, to invest. And in order to invest, it will take sacrifice to tell them, to encourage them what is right and what is wrong, what is important and proper and understanding, and is to be a worker in the home that loves her husband, loves her children, that's pure, that's self-controlled. I remember early in this church plant, oh, I don't know, three years ago. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of serving going on, a lot of cooking going on, a lot of cleaning going on, a lot of activities early on on Wednesday nights. It, this was a big deal. And my wife has a few kids, seven. She's kind of busy. She's got great responsibility. And uh, I'll never forget, my wife came home crying. And she said, I'm so grateful for Miss Susan. Because Miss Susan approached me in the kitchen and she told me, I don't need to do this. I need to focus on my family during the season of life. You let us handle this. You focus on your responsibility, which is to raise your children. Thank you, Miss Susan. Miss Gail, thank you for all you do for the women's ministry in this church. And thank you, Sharon, for the way you pour into my wife. Thank you, Edwina, for being a great mother who's invested. Thank you, Kelly, for investing into my wife, being an ear to talk to. It's a great blessing, my friends. And I'm sure I forgot somebody. So I don't like acknowledging people because I'm going to forget somebody. My point is, is we, we are in a church where there are older women investing and the younger women need to find one that they can trust and that can pour into their lives. Train them, teach them in the ways of the Lord. Because your children will not be there forever. They will grow. They will move out. They will live their life. And you'll have them now. Or you can advocate that responsibility. I say grab a hold and take advantage of it. Because in one Psalm 27, Psalm 127, 3 to 5 says, children are a gift of, from God. They're a gift from the Lord. A productive womb, the Lord's reward. My wife had a pretty productive womb. As arrows in the hands of a warrior, so also children born during one's youth, how blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be ashamed as they confront their enemies at the gates. If you have children, you are blessed because there are many who cannot have children. So they adopt. What a blessing. Both are a blessing from God. Men, what are we doing to help our wives? We, 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 this, this, we, we have to help them. We have to encourage them. We have to put double time, triple time in so that they can be effective in what God has called them to do. Set them up for success. 
I believe that these are women who have made their minds up that her priorities, that is going to be loving her husband, loving her children, being a worker in the home. They do it all for the honor of Christ. Not for their own self-satisfaction or the temporal things of this world. But they focus on their God-given task. So he, we, we're to encourage them. But not only does he, Paul, instruct Titus to encourage them, but he, he calls them to be kind. Courage is the older to call the younger to be kind, to be gentle. Both men and women are to be kind. This offers a balance for a busy woman, sometimes in the hustle bustle of life, a busy homemaker. This can cause tension. But listen, kindness toward others must characterize Christian women. To those within their family, they should exemplify compassion, gentleness, and even to those in their communities, grace and mercy. But not only is this encouragement for the younger women to be kind, the last area of encouragement is that the older women should emphasize to the younger that they should be subject to their own husbands, verse 5. Now, if there's ever been some nunchucks that have been brought out as now, Fruit starting to fly. Be subject to your husbands. Now here in the book of Titus, interesting enough, Paul does not address husbands. He only addresses the wives. But, but I believe that in light of this portion of Scripture, it's very wise to consider other Scriptures that deal with godly marriages and other areas in which Paul has taught on the roles of men and women in the home. You can see these other areas taught in Ephesians 5, 22-23, or 33, but we're just going to look at 24. 22-24, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be subject to their own husbands in everything. There's no confusion there. It's not culturally acceptable, but it's biblical. You can read in Colossians 3, 18 and 19, but here's the heart behind it all. It's being in obedience to Christ. God has a standard and He has an order. And His order is always best. Tony Evans used an illustration one day of a, of a, a truck coming out on the interstate and the semi was over here. Compared the semi to the strong woman who was able to lead well to do things more efficiently than her husband. But the little bitty car was the husband. And when he veers, the little car has the right of way. The big truck has to move out of the way. It's the same with God. God has called you men to lead your families. God has called you to love your wives. And God has called you, ladies, to submit unto your husbands as unto the Lord. Listen, they are not submitting to their husbands because they are worthy of it. <laughs> I've already set that stage up. The wife is not submissive because he is above her. That kind of thinking is a result of the fall. Does that mean men don't mistreat and dishonor their wives? Yes, they do. And it's improper. It's unbiblical. It isn't right. God will deal with them. God will deal with them. Rather, Scriptures call her to be submissive to her husband out of submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. So if a, if a woman fails to be a submissive wife, she isn't dishonoring her husband necessarily. She's dishonoring God. 
If I fail to love my wife as Christ loves the church, am I dishonoring my wife? Yes, in some sense, but ultimately I'm dishonoring Christ because we all have a part to play. We are called to be submissive in the roles in which God has called us to play. And every single one has a responsibility in the sound of my voice today. You may not like that responsibility, but it's God's call to honor God with our lives by obeying what He has called us to do. And so when we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, but I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of the woman, and God is the head of Christ. Not that she is less or he is better. It's God's order. Someone has to lead. Two heads is a monster. No head is dead. Let's flip this. Men, are you submitting to Christ? Are you doing what the Lord has called you to do? In your marriage. Because we've been called to love our wives and not to be embittered against them. You know the old saying is, well, if you loved me, I wouldn't have a problem submitting to you. That's baloney. I'm a sinful man in need of grace and mercy on a daily basis. But it sure does help, doesn't it? It does help. Men, we are to love our wives. We have to lead them. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir because the ones who need to hear it probably ain't here. Play it in the background at home. We are called to submit unto Christ. He says in Ephesians 5, 25 to 29, Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her of having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. We have a responsibility, men, to invest into our wives, to give them the opportunity for success, to give them a reason to love us, to give them a reason to submit. If you're out advocating your responsibility as a man and you're sending your your your, your family and directions that don't honor God, they shouldn't submit to you only because Christ calls them to. We have a responsibility so husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself for no ever one has ever hated his own flesh but nourishes it, cherishes it, just as he also does the church. Listen, you do you, men, you do you, women. Fulfill your role in submitting to where God has called you to submit, both men and women. And there's the reason. Here's the final thing. We, we'll bring this thing in for landing. So that the Word of God will not be dishonored. So that the Word of God will not be dishonored. It was the German philosopher that said, show me your redeemed life and I might be inclined to believe in your Redeemer. We live in a watching world where people would rather see than hear. Meaning it's easy to talk the talk, but it's another thing, isn't it, to walk the walk. Listen, we need to make sure our actions speak louder than words. Because when we fail to fulfill in obedience to the call of God in our lives, the Word of God is dishonored. And the watching world will be repelled by this fake Christianity of the day. But when you fulfill your God-given roles and you fulfill your God-given responsibilities in a way that honors God, you will be a shining light to a world who desperately needs to, desperately needs to hear it, to see it lived out because of your personal relationship with Christ. We submit to God because God is our Father. And He loves us and cares for us. And He desires us to be obedient to His Word so that we can have the most effective and joyful life. What seems contrary to man, 
Listen, that's why I chose Isaiah 55. Our ways are not God's ways. His ways are higher than our ways. Try it God's way. Try it God's way. Commit to God's way. And watch what God can do. Even Christ submitted to the Father and gave up His life on Calvary that we might have life. So my encouragement is for the older women to step in and encourage the younger that they might honor the Lord with their lives and that they might have the most successful life, honoring to the Lord, effective to their children, and they might have a marriage that is exemplified for others to follow to the glory of God. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to our program today. We pray that you were blessed and trust that you will join us again as Pastor Stuart Guthrie preaches through his new series on the book of Titus. If you do not have a church home, Pastor Stuart Guthrie would like to personally invite you to join in person at Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, or you can visit them on their website at familybiblefellowship.org. May God bless you this week as you walk with Him.